Welcome to another fine blended edition of Acer Radio's Hotspot. Sorry, I couldn't resist saying fine blended. Anyways, uh, got some, uh, actually a whole bunch of stuff that we could do for the hotspot, but we just simply don't have enough time. I actually want to apologize for not getting out the whole of uh, episode 93 earlier. As many of you know, this week we were doing an experiment with... Uh, breaking the show into segments which were released on a daily basis. Unfortunately, uh, just the real world came and kicked me in the butt, and so we weren't able to go and get the show out on a timely schedule. So while the first part of episode 93 came out last week, unfortunately the rest of the episode had to wait a week later to finally come out. So uh, once again, want to apologize for that delay, but uh, hopefully next week will be much smoother sailing. Uh, plan on it because that's what I'm doing. Anyways, uh, big big hot spot potential here, but instead of going and reviewing all sorts of crazy stuff for a hot spot, we're just going to review one uh, manga, one anime, and then, uh, sorry, video game, not anime. We have a different section for that. We'll review that stuff, and then next week, uh, I've got a whole bunch more to select from, and we'll take care of it at that point. First of all, we're going to do our manga review of Fruits Basket Volume 1. Now, those of you familiar with ASO Radio should also be familiar with the fact that uh, here at the show we're big fans of Fruits Basket. Uh, and so what is Fruits Basket is a good way to start off this review. And because the anime and manga are so closely intertwined, uh, you can see the one and more or less know exactly what's going on in the other. Now, in the manga, there's a few more details that you don't get in the anime, but either way, you're going to go and get the story as a whole and all the little bits that really make it up pretty well. The only thing that's really missing from the manga in comparison to the anime is that the manga happens to go and contain a lot of little subtle glances or showing the character's face when another character says something, and by their facial expression alone, you can read a lot into how that character feels and what they're thinking. So the manga allows you to get into the head of the characters a bit more than the anime. However, the anime of Fruits Basket was much more uh, faithful to the manga than a lot of other anime happened to be, such as Full Metal Alchemist. Now, while the first half of the Full Metal Alchemist anime closely followed the manga, the second half of the anime was entirely made on the animator's own time and efforts, and so shares little to no resemblance with the rest of the Full Metal Alchemist manga series. Fruits Basket is somewhat similar, except that the Fruits Basket anime follows the manga for the most part rather faithfully up until the end of the anime, and then the anime ends before the manga ends, and so there's much more to Fruits Basket after the climax of the anime series. So, the story of Fruits Basket follows Toru Honda, your average, not-so-average girl. She's very average in a number of ways, but her indomitable spirit and her willingness to go and see the best in any situation happen to go and make her a very charming and endearing character to both the reader and the other characters in the story. That's why the Soma family, after finding out about the troubles that she's been experiencing lately, offers an extended hand to go and allow her to live with them in their house. 
Um, this, of course, brings great joy to Toru as she looks up to her classmate, Yuki Soma, who is the prince of her school. However, this brings a bit of um, the glee to the members of the Soma's living at the house. It also brings a bit of nervousness to the table, for they suffer from a curse, which when their bodies become under high stress or they get hugged by a member of the opposite sex, they transform into their corresponding zodiac animal. This has proven to be quite troublesome for members in the past, and when people have discovered their secret, they have been forced to go and erase those people's memories. So it's a real walking on eggshells sort of thing at first, as Toru tries to take their curse into account, and the Somas are worried that they're going to lose their newfound friend. Uh, however, the, um, I don't want to spoil too much for the story, but suffice it to say the Somas make the case for Toru staying there, and as long as she's able to go and keep their secret and help them keep their secret, she will be allowed to stay with them. This is a very charming, very cute story, uh, and the artwork definitely carries this forward. Uh, all of the characters have a real, if you will, waif-like uh, look to them. The It's funny because the author actually includes some notes that were translated along with the manga. And one of the notes states that she knows that all of her characters are very thin-looking and that Yuki and Kyo, who are martial artists in this manga, um, should be muscular and well-toned, but that she prefers her characters to be more waif-like and so that's why they look the way they look rather than the way they should look in real life, which I thought was funny. So it does definitely show the shoujo influences, especially at the beginning when the author hasn't quite fallen into her hand being familiar with drawing the characters, but later on the characters tend to be more boldly defined and less wavy, light, fluttery lines. Um, so in the beginning the art is a bit rough, but towards the end of the volume they start to really solidify into the way that they should look. Although it is kind of eerie when the character's eyes are uh, somewhat teary and they have what I call the bee eye effect, where they look like a bee or um, fly's eyes and that they're crazy looking and segmented and whatnot, taken a bit too far and I hope that fades out over time. All in all though, really nice art. Really charming story, well translated, but for one thing. And that is, is that Fruits Basket is a comedic romance. Now, notice I didn't say romantic comedy, because that would mean that the main point of it is a comedy. Now, granted, there's lots of comedic moments to Fruits Basket, but it's mainly, at its heart, a drama with romance and comedy thrown in. The problem comes not from the translation, which is quality itself, but from the flow due to the quality translation. The honorifics in Fruits Basket have been retained in Tokyo Pop's translation. Now, while this is nice because it goes and establishes the relationships the characters have with each other by the way that they go and say each other's names, this unfortunately has the problem of breaking down the flow during comedic moments. So, let's say in an instance where uh, Kyo might say, Yuki, you rat-ass bastard, uh, I'm a bit uh, emphasizing there, as I don't think those exact words are used in the manga. Um, instead, it says to the uh, amount of, Yuki-san, you rat-ass bastard, and having that uh, suffix in there 
that name honorifics just kind of really breaks the flow of the whole thing. So comedy moments, which could be funnier, happen to get broken down by the tossing in of the unnecessary honorifics, which would have made this much better is during the dramatic or regular serious moments they were to keep the honorifics in, but during the moments where timing and whatnot is essential, especially when they're fighting or arguing, um, it would have been much better to drop them all together, much better flow. So I'm going to go and give uh, volume one of the Fruits Basket manga. Uh, let's see, should I give it a highly recommended or just regular recommendation? Um, I'm going to give it a recommended, and I'll tell you why. The manga, while good, is off to a slow start, and it's not until they introduce the character of Kagura does it really start to get into its own and start to really satisfy. Up until that point, you're kind of reading along and waiting for the moment when it really kicks into high gear, which isn't until about three-fourths through the first volume. So the first volume, I'm only going to give a recommended, and we'll see if that opinion changes with future volumes of Fruits Basket. Okay, so now it's time for us to go and do a video game review. This time I'm going to review Gunstar Superheroes for the Game Boy Advance, which of course can also be played on the Nintendo DS if you have a newer system. So what's this game all about? Well, uh, a review of Gunstar Superheroes cannot begin without mentioning the original Gunstar game. This appeared on the Sega Genesis way back in 1994, I believe, and it was called Gunstar Heroes which featured the characters Blue and Red, who essentially went around and blew stuff up to save the world. Now, of course, uh, shoot 'em up is not defined by the fact that you shoot things up, but the stage design and the bosses. This is where Gunstar Heroes really shine. First of all, it had a really nice weapon system. There were four basic weapons, which you could combine to make a total of, I believe, 16 different sort of weapons. You had your regular rapid fire, you had your actual fire fire, you had your laser, and you had your homing shot. And at any point in the game when you picked up power-ups, you could have a combination of these two abilities or just have a plane out if, say, you had both homing um, guns, then it would just be a standard homing gun. But you could have the fire and the homing gun, and then you would have homing fire. It's a very unique weapon system. The bosses were really fun to fight. You had to go and not just shoot them, but figure out the strategy to each one, as each had a different attack pattern, which had to be mastered. And last, it had really great stage design, especially the well-known game board stage in which you actually threw a dice to roll it to go and determine how many spots you would move on the above game board, and that would determine the mini-stage or um, sub-boss that you would go to fight. So the original Gunstar Heroes was a really, really great game, which I should probably review one day. Uh, as a matter of fact, that sounds like I just almost reviewed it right here, right now. So all of this has to do with Gunstar Superheroes, as it is one of the few sequels that Treasure has actually done. Uh, they've also done um, Guardian Heroes Advance, which I have not had the opportunity to play, so I cannot comment on it personally, but it received rather poor ratings. And the other sequel that it has done is Ikaruga. Now, Ikaruga is not an official sequel in the sense that it was named after the original that it's supposed to be a sequel to, which was Radiant Silver Gun, but the fact of the matter is, is that it is considered by Treasure to be their official, unofficial sequel. So take that as you may, because Ikaruga was a very good game, and as a sequel to that Radiant Silver Gun, while not as complex, was also very good. 
So what's all this got to do with Gunstar Superheroes? Well, the problem is, is that when they made Gunstar Superheroes, they said to the programmer, we don't want you to go and look at the original code for the first game at all. We want you to program everything from scratch, which was very fine and dandy, except he was doing programming, not game design. Unfortunately, the game designers were not only allowed to go and look at Gunstar Heroes, this game was actually designed as an almost identical copy of Gunstar Heroes. Now, in Gunstar Super Heroes, there's a lot more story segments at the beginning and the end of the stages. You always have story segments. You get to see it a bit different whether you play as red or blue. And disturbing enough for some people when the game first came out is the fact that red is actually not a man in this game, but a woman which is rather scary because uh, at first people were worried if it was just like a very effeminate looking man or not. Uh, so it's kind of, to me, Red Sinatra became a woman in the sequel, but then again, this game takes place a thousand years later and isn't actually the original characters from Gunstar Heroes. The problem is, is that you would never know that because outside of the storyline, all of the bosses are lifted directly from Gunstar Heroes. So if you know how to defeat the bosses from the original game, the same applies to this game. And when I say lifted, I mean almost exactly the same. There's a few boss battles that are different, but most are exactly the same or just have a slight variation. Uh, further compounding this problem is the weapon system from the original has more or less been thrown out the window. Instead of picking up power-ups along the way and combining them as you will, red and blue both start off with a standard amount, uh, uh, two standard weapons. So they can either use weapon A, weapon B, or use them together in the weapon C combination. So this really goes and takes away a lot of the creativity and the pulling of different weapons for different situations as needed. Uh, and lastly, the stage design leaves much to be desired. The stages in the original were colorful, varied, high speed, high frame rate, lots of great stuff. In this, the stages are very, very short, um, and they tend to be um, very straightforward, no branching paths or anything of that sort. And so um, the stages are just an absolute bore and too short for their own good. The final problem with this game is the difficulty settings. Instead of going and fine-tuning the difficulty of this game, unfortunately, each of the difficulty settings are only uh, a slight difference from each other. So in the easy difficulty, which is entirely too easy, um, the amount of damage you take is half of what it is in the normal game, and the amount of damage you give is twice as much as it is in the normal game. So unless you're purposely being um, um, risky with your decisions and just running in gung-ho and not paying attention to things, unless you really try, that is the only way you're going to die in easy mode. So much too easy for it to be any fun at all. Now normal mode, you would think would equate to the same level of difficulty as the original Gunstar Hero. Unfortunately, in Gunstar Superheroes, the normal difficulty is much, much easier than the difficulty was in Gunstar Heroes. And so, between the uh, recycled bosses and the lackluster stages, normal mode is not worth playing through either. So, you may be thinking at this point that I'm leading up to saying that um, the hard mode would be the worthwhile mode to play this game in. And it is. But unfortunately, like I stated earlier, um, Treasure, the developer of this game, did not spend the time to go and refine the difficulty level. So hard mode plays like uh, normal mode, 
The only difference being is that you go and uh, you take twice as much damage from the enemy hits, and the enemies take half as much damage as they do in normal mode. Uh, it may even be a higher multiplier than that, is three times as much or four times as much. So that makes the game in hard mode not just hard, but unnecessarily difficult. It would have been uh, best, I think, if there was a difficulty between normal and hard, which would be more like uh, classic mode, which played like the games of old. So all in all, this game, while um, well executed in a programming sense, in a design sense, is rather well uh in the design sense, is not put together well at all. Um, so while I have to give props for all of the scaling and rotation and whatnot that the programmer did with this game and it running very fast on the Game Boy Advance, unfortunately, even the programming is not completely solid. There's a top-down helicopter shooting stage, which was just poorly implemented, and then there's also melee weapons, which weren't in the original Gunstar Heroes, such as a knife, um, which unfortunately are not that intuitive. So if you're the type of person that holds down the attack button in the game, you'll just get the gun. But if you're the type of person that rapidly hits the attack button, then you'll just get them pulling out the knife at all opportunities. So you definitely need to read the manual, especially since to use the special weapon, you need to hold down the R button and another button in order to activate the special weapon. It just becomes really ridiculous and overly complicated and underutilized. So while I do want to go and give this game a good recommendation because it was a challenge, unfortunately it was rather haphazardly put together. So I personally, um, in, in a biased sense, I would give this game a recommended because I like the original. Unfortunately, the sequel, while it tries to expand on the original in terms of the storyline, does nothing to expand on the original in terms of gameplay. So as a whole, with the, as unbiased of opinion as I can give it, I'm going to have to give Gunstar Superheroes a neutral. So now uh, that does it for our hot spot for this episode of Asa Radio. I hope that you enjoyed our first segmented episode of Asa Radio, episode 93 as it were. Uh, expect next week for us to have episode 94. Uh, we're going to do the same breakdown as we did this week uh, with episode 93, or rather the way I wanted it to be. So when 94 comes out, uh, Club NZ members will get each episode segment a day in advance of the others. So um, Club NZ people will get the first part on Sunday. They'll get the news. Then on Monday, they'll get the reviews. Tuesday, they'll get the second uh, part of the reviews. Wednesday, they will see the uh, fan mail. And then the last day, of course, will bring the hotspot. For the um, public, the non-paying public that's not a part of Club NZ, which, by the way, you should really consider joining up Club NZ. It has all sorts of great features, which I could go about on in length, but I won't. The public episodes, the first will premiere on Monday, the first segment. We'll see the news on Monday, the reviews on Tuesday and Wednesday, and the fan mail on Thursday, but you won't get the hot spot until the following Monday. That's just the way it works. The club members get the episodes in advance, get higher quality episodes, plus they go and get all of the exclusive Anafanatico articles and MacroVV comics and wallpapers, which are only available to Club NZ members. And for more information, be sure to check out the Club NZ section of the ASO Radio website. Anyways, for episode 93 of ASO Radio, this is NZ17 saying sayonara and see you next week.
ASA Radio is copyright of NC-17 Productions. ASA Radio is licensed to the general public under a Creative Commons Attribution non-commercial share-alike license. Additional licenses available. For more information, visit us online at www.nz17.com.